Romans chapter 8 is one of the most powerful chapters in all the Word of God. I mean, those preachers could preach from there every Sunday if they wanted to. There's so much revelation in it. But today I want to go to verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Touch your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to live and not die. Mm -hmm. But here's the kicker in verse 14. Watch this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the what? Sons of God. Oh, i got to read that again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now watch what verse 15 says. For you did not receive, this is key, the spirit of bondage. Here's the biggest word in all of it. Again. Oh, you didn't get that. How many of those, you don't put the word again unless you've already been there before. Oh, y'all hearing me? Y'all didn't hear me this morning. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of, say it loud, adoption, by whom we cry out, say it loud, Abba, Father. Woo, this is good stuff. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh, and listen to this. And if we are the children of God, then we are more than just children. We are heirs. And if we are heirs, then we are heirs of God. Oh, and if we're heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Woo! Father, in the name of Jesus, open up our hearts and minds. Be teachable, God. Let the word be written on the tablets of flesh, God, today. Lord, let the mind be renewed today. Let them receive what God is speaking to us in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. God, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I want you to fill in the first thing on your notes here. Your first note is this. You can be a child but not operate as a son or daughter. You can be a child, but not operate as a son or daughter. Notice I didn't say you can, you can be a child and not be a son or daughter. Everybody is a son or daughter. The fact that you're breathing, I didn't say you had a great family relationship. I didn't say you even knew who your daddy or your mama even is. I just said you are somebody's son or daughter. You did, they but one that was made, and his name was Adam. And then, of course, Eve. And then after that, every one of us, y'all know how we get here, right? I ain't got to have a breakdown. Come on. Come on. You want me to break it down? Well, this is how babies are made. No, just kidding. Huh? But we are all a son and daughter. But we are not all operating as a son or daughter. There are things that come with being a son or daughter that should be in the heart of a son or daughter towards oh, up. Notice that I made a point to say that he says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again. 
to fear. Now listen, he goes right on to say, spoiler alert, the next thing says, you were adopted. Why is that so important? One of the most fearful things that someone that is adopted ever goes through is the feeling of abandonment as an orphan. You may even be living in a situation where you have your father and mother in your life, but you feel so disconnected, so broken, so hurt. You've gone through so many things that fear separates you from who you are in God and who you should be able to see yourself as. Therefore, you live in fear that you're never going to be able to accomplish anything in your life. You believe the lies that were told to you as a son or a daughter, I was told as a young boy that I was stupid. I was a failure. I would never amount to anything. I was beaten physically. I was beaten mentally and emotionally. My identity was an identity of fear, and I was in bondage. And when people are afraid of, of, of the real them inside, they, they tend to make up a persona that tries to pretend that they're okay and that everything is all right. Carrie, you went to school with me. Would you have ever dreamed that I was mentally tormented and that I felt like I was that big? No. She knew me. I was the typical jock. I was the typical, let's just go ahead and say it. Y'all can tell it. My wife says it all the time. You were stuck on yourself, full of yourself, and you thought you was the bomb. But I looked happy, didn't I? Okay. I was really loud. Thank you, baby. That's right, because that's that preacher that was in me even then. But look, I, listen, I'm not trying to say I was depressed and miserable. Because I was happy. I thank God for my mother and I thank God for the life that she provided for me. But I was tormented inside and I was wrapped up in the bondage of an abandoned orphan son. Because I felt like everything that was said about me, important people in my life, not my mother, but other people in my life that I'd looked to, had cursed me. And I never felt completely who I was in God, uh, who I was in life, until I finally surrendered my life to God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not just when you get saved, all of a sudden your sins are forgiven. That feeling that you feel when you are born again is not just, oh, my God, now I'm going to heaven. No, that feeling is a feeling of adoption. That feeling is a feeling of I'm not just a church-going person now. He is my father. My God is my father. Am I preaching good already? See, nothing is more frightening to a small child than when they get lost from their parents. Nothing is more frantic to a parent when they lose their child. My youngest daughter, Rachel, took joy in tormenting us. I'm talking about before she even had time to reason and even think about why she was doing it. It was just part of her personality. She thought it was so funny when we were in a mall or something to find one of those circular clothing things and climb inside of it and be completely quiet. When we're running all, Rachel, Rachel. She, and finally we'd hear. Usually, the only way we got her out is I was, I mean, I'm crying, I'm sobbing, but I, we would always go back to this. 
Hey, Sandy. Hey, hey, Mama. You want to re- you want to eat this ice cream? We got some ice cream out here, and all of a sudden you see some clothes back. You got ice cream? Then we laid hands on her in a in a loving way and blessed her. Listen. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, listen, I don't want to have to say this every time so that people won't get upset. I mean sons and daughters, okay? Ladies, boy, why don't you include us? I am including you, okay? When you hear sons of God, it means everybody. All right? Quit being so sensitive. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. I understand. But watch this. Remember what I've taught you? I've taught you this many, many times. The word spirit is the word pneuma. And the word pneuma is defined as breath. So as for many as are led by the breath of God, these are the sons of God. Now watch this. Am I talking to you right now? Are words coming out of my mouth? How many of those, every single time words come out of my mouth, breath comes out with those words. It is impossible to speak into your life without breath. In fact, if you ever have the breath knocked out of you and people are trying to ask you what's wrong with you, you can't talk. You ever had the, you know what I'm talking about? You, you can't talk without breath. So if you want to be a true son and daughter of God, not only do you need an encounter with Holy Ghost power, you need an encounter with the breath of God. And what is the breath of God going to always be when the breath of God blows on you? What, what accompanies the breath of God? The word of God. So the word of God can't speak into your life without the breath of God. So if you've got churches, oh, y'all ain't hearing me that are big time in preaching the word and praise God for that, but there's no spirit in that church, how can it ever be impacted? Because you cannot speak words without breath. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me, Charlie. I wish somebody get what I just said. But then you got other folks, all they want to do is have Holy Ghost and dance and huck a buck and Holy Ghost helicopter all over the place with no words. God's not the author of confusion. He's not going to breathe on a congregation every Sunday without being intentional with his breath and speaking into our lives. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed from this world by the renewing of your mind. I'm preaching right, shout yes. Am I a solid rock church? Somebody said, I am led by the breath of God. Therefore, I am a son. Mm. See, you can't hear from your father if he's trying to speak to you if you are not walking with your father. See, there's something about when you're walking with your daddy and you've got a good relationship with your daddy, next thing on your notes is this, when you are walking with your father, you feel safe. 
You feel safe. I'm talking about all your life, but especially when you were in the young part of your life and, and, and your first hero in the world, if you had a good relationship with your father, is your father. And you, you say things like, I want to grow up and be like my dad. And there's just something about being in the presence. And watch this. Let me tell you something. The innate desire of a son, even in a son or a daughter's life, if their father is a jerk and don't ever even want to be with them, it is in the heart of a child to still want to be with them. They want to be with their father. They want to be with their father. And they will do everything they can to, uh, to uh, uh, attract the attention of their father. Am I right? But see, the problem with most Christians is they, listen, don't, don't call me heresy. Just hear me out. They see themselves as a Christian, but they never see themselves as a son or a daughter. See, Christian is a religious word. Are you hearing me? Christian is not what he told us to see ourselves as. In fact, Christian, the origin, origination, origination of the word Christian was, a, was really a slur and was really a, a speaking down. They, they would say, oh, you're one of those Christians mocking them by the way Jesus last name was not Christ huh Christ means Messiah the the anointed one the chosen one Yeshua HaMashiach Christos so what's this we say well are you a Christian yes I'm a Christian I became a Christian in vacation Bible school when I was 10 years old now you want to live any way you want to live because somebody somewhere told you in a sermon somewhere that as long as you can go back to a day that you called yourself a Christian, then you don't have to look at yourself as any other thing other than your, your name is in a book somewhere, so you got free will to do anything you want to. I'm not here to try to tear down doctrine. I'm not here to try to compete, against, but I'm going to tell you where I'm, what I am here to do as your spiritual father to equip you. For you to think of things a little bit differently than what you were probably brought up to think. Let me tell you something. God did not call me and he did not die on the cross, come back from the dead, suffer 39 stripes on his back. Go through all that he went through so that you could have a one-time encounter to call yourself a Christian and feel good about yourself. He wants you to be his son or daughter. See, now watch, the next thing on your notes is a big one. There's a different mindset that happens when you move, watch this, from child of God to son or daughter. Now listen, there ain't nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's biblically wrong for you to say I'm a child of God because a son or a daughter of someone is their child. But watch this. It doesn't feel the same. To say, I am my father's child, as it does to say, I am my father's son. I am my father's daughter. Am I preaching right? See, the reason most people don't walk in victory, oh, this is going to mess some of y'all up, is because you're living your life as a child of God. In name only. And he becomes this mystical father. Sitting up on this giant 
throne with a, with a spear in his hand, and he's ready to zap you when you get out of line. All of his children, that's what he's doing, is watching all his children. You're being bad. You're being bad. You're being bad. But the image of the Father changes when you see yourself as his son or his daughter. Am I preaching right? All of a sudden, he's somebody you can climb up in his lap. All of a sudden, he's somebody that when you fall, you can say, Daddy, Daddy, I need you. You all of a sudden think of him as somebody that wants to speak into your life instead of just somebody that works and provides for you and, and disciplines you when you get in trouble. Think about how this sounds. Say it with me out loud. Everybody across it. Say, I am my father's child. Now, it's okay for you ladies to call yourself a daughter, okay? I'm going to say son. You say daughter. But watch how this feels. I am my father's son. Now, look, look, I'm not trying to work up your emotions, but that's different. See, every believer is a child of God. Those who are led by the Spirit, though, see themselves as sons of God. Now, I'm not saying better than anybody else. There's no big I's and little U's in the kingdom. I'm not saying that if you're led by the Spirit and you call yourself a son or call yourself a daughter of God versus a child of God, that somehow you're closer to the heart of God. God doesn't love anyone more than he loves anyone else. This is not about how he sees you. This is about how you see you. Huh? It's easier for me to walk away from church if I only see myself as a Christian who attends a church. But when I see myself as a son of the Father, but watch this, and a son of the house that God has put me in, it's harder for me to break ties with that. We've learned ways in religion to title things that are biblical that become generic so that it's, the enemy has used generic Christian terms to take away from the power of what they really mean. Mm -hmm. Many people that go to church consider themselves to be religious. But religion is demonic. Because religion is man's way of taking something simple and making it difficult. The simplicity of the gospel is just that. But religion makes it ritualistic. And you got to do this and go through that and jump through this hoop. And if you do all those things, then you can pump your fist. You're a Christian. And it's so easy when you're trying to witness. It's very difficult. This is your first time in Alabama. Is that right? First time in Alabama. Let me tell you something about Alabama. There's a couple things about Alabama. First thing, when a child is born in this state, 
before they leave the hospital, and this is the truth, they have been appointed whether they're an Alabama or Auburn fan. Am I right? Can I get a roll tide? Can I get those other things, those, those eagles and tigers that are confused, they don't know what they are? Just kidding, just kidding. I'm talking about we wear, they wear the colors home. Okay, that's how serious we are. All about the colors. Now, second thing is, you must drink sweet tea. Have y'all had sweet tea yet? You haven't had sweet, you're going to have sweet tea today, brother. I, I'm going to change your life today. You must drink sweet tea. There's one more. Oh, yeah. And you can say anything about anybody, and the Lord says it's okay in Alabama. As long as at the end of it, you just say, bless her heart. Bless her heart. Boy, I tell you what, she's a comely thing, bless her heart. Huh? I literally came over there, brother, to say something. I totally forgot what I was going to say. I got so caught up in Alabama and Auburn, I forgot what I was going to say. It was awesome and profound. Oh, y'all just, y'all tell him, bless your heart. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really was powerful. It'll come back to me. Thank you. That's it. You knew where I was going, Mike. I was going to tell you this about Alabama. See, they know me. They know my heart. Alabama is one of the hardest places to witness to people in the whole United States because everyone is a Christian. Am I right? You'll run into a few atheists every once in a while, but I'm telling you, everything you say to them about the Lord, they're like, oh, yeah, I know it. I was raised in church. I'm a Christian. Well, where do you go to church at? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just sort of, I'm spending time with the Lord on the lake. Me and him's got an intimate relationship, and, you know, I was raised up in that church down there, and who's the pastor down there? Well, I don't know who they got now. They got a new preacher down there, but that's my church. It's hard to witness to them because as long as they've convinced themselves in their mind they are a Christian, they won't have heard nothing about commitment, service. Are you hearing me? Loving people, harvest, preaching, praying, getting on your face before God, spiritual warfare. They don't hear nothing about that. But a son or daughter does. Let me tell you what a son or daughter does. He asks questions all the time, don't he? She asks questions. Why is the sun sitting there? Why does the moon move? Why is it not? Why is it look like a fingernail? Why this? Why that? Why this? And I'm going to tell you something. At some point as a parent, sometimes you're like, cow God, take me away. Okay, I know I need new material. Some of y'all ain't never even heard of Calgon. Okay. But, but you better appreciate it because one day you'll wish you heard those questions. But when they're at that age, they think their mother and father have the answers to everything. Right? Because at that moment, they don't look at themselves it is not an innate, placed by God knowledge that that baby and that infant and that child looks at you and says, I am so happy to be a child of Larry Raglan. Or, or how about this? It is an honor to be a Raglanite. Oh, do you think your father loves you? Do you, do you have a girl? Oh, yeah, I'm a Raglanite. Me and my dad are tight. I'm a Raglanite. I don't want my kids to think of themselves as a Raglanite. But at that age, 
it without even knowing what they're doing. They are a son or a daughter of their father and their mother. And they are hungry to hear what you have to say. It's 1145. I'm hurrying. This section always gives me more time over. This, this is my amen section over here. Listen, listen. Again, no bondage again. God says, when you become or when you are led by the Spirit and you become a son or daughter, God said, I want you to understand the revelation that comes with that. You are not just free from an orphan spirit. I've, when you are led by the Spirit, you can be confident. You are no longer an orphan. You're not going back. Don't be afraid. If, if the preacher hurts your feelings, if the man of God or the woman of God hurts your feelings, don't judge your father by the actions of those that represent him. That doesn't give you the excuse to become an orphan again. People leave the church because they don't get what they needed out of the pastor or out of the worship team or out of the Sunday school teacher or whatever, and they judge our father. I got to hurry. Adoption. He says you've received the spirit of adoption. When you are born again, one, one, one scripture says we are grafted into the vine. Let me tell you something. We live in a world right now. Look, I'm not trying to get political here, but how many want your pastor to tell the truth? I'm going to tell the truth right now. We live in a world right now. There is a section of our world that the only thing that matters to them is the killing of unborn children. That is the litmus test of whether they're going to listen to you or not. If you don't believe I have the right to kill a baby in the womb, I don't want to hear you. Not being judgmental. Not saying that if you, if you have thoughts of pro-choice and all this, you're not welcome here and that, that I can't talk to you because we are in the same. Listen, I want to help you. But here's what's happening. That is a physical manifestation spirit of what the enemy tries to do physically and spiritually to physical sons and daughters and spiritual sons and daughters. Millions of babies in the physical world have been aborted. We'll never know if any of them were presidents. We'll never know if any of them was going to be the doctor that cured cancer. We'll never know if any of them was going to be the pastor that evangelized the world. We'll never know. We'll never know. But watch this. There has been countless millions upon millions upon millions spiritual sons and daughters aborted as well. Pulling you out. Can I get graphic? Pulling you out of the womb in which God placed you to be nurtured and birthed and raised and equipped. We want to hop from womb to womb. One of the epidemic problems of Christians is womb swapping, father swapping. Some of y'all ain't never had nothing but a spiritual baby daddy. I ain't your baby daddy. You hear me? 
I don't want to have a, a, a spiritual relationship with you, an equipping spiritual father relationship with you where I swing into your life. Can I be real? Birth a few things and then go do my own thing and you'll see me at Christmas time. Might get a check from me every once in a while. If anything, you got to take me to court to get what, what, oh, come on. Huh? Spend the rest of your life, I saw a thing. Told me, love me. That ain't who I am. I've been in this pulpit for 25 years. If I was going to leave the house and go find me another girl, I'd done none it. And by the way, if I did that, my wife would kill me. As we say to my house, kill me dead. I'm hurrying. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't let the devil abort your destiny. Hey! Next thing you notice this, God's will is spiritual adoption, not abortion. You know what? If somebody has birthed you in the spirit realm and they try and you can feel that they're trying to abort you call unto God and he'll find somebody to adopt you hey are you hearing me are you hearing me right now come on call unto God he'll never say well just go ahead and let him abort you he'll say no I'll find you somebody to adopt you Won't he do it? I heard that. I heard that. Yes, he will. Y'all, my bishop, I can say it now. Won't he do it? No. Do you know what Abba means? Do you know understand why he says Abba Father? Abba literally does mean Father, but it means the intimate relationship with Father. You know, if you were in England, you know, he's a Father. Father, when are we eating, Father? And I'm not saying that that would not be uh, impressive, but there's something about when your kids look, if your kids look at you, when, especially when they're little, they say, Father, are we going to McDonald's? It's, 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 you won't hear that from your kids. Father, Happy Meal, please, Father. No, it's like, Daddy, I'm hungry! Daddy! Daddy! So Abba Father literally means Daddy. Daddy, father. Not just are you my father, but you my daddy. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of those, it just feels different when you think of your father as daddy. Whereby we cry out, daddy, father. Are you thankful you got a daddy? Next thing you notice is this, spiritual adoption gives us rights to the treasures of the kingdom. Are you hearing me? In other words, he says, listen, what you got, the reason it's important for you to not just see yourself as a Christian, but to see yourself as a son or a daughter is because when you see yourself as a son or a daughter of the father, then you have to understand the father reigns over his kingdom. And now you see yourself as a part of that house. Therefore, because you are a son or a daughter, you are an heir to your father. And then he says, let's make it real for you. That when you understand how Jesus operated and what he did for us, he gives us access to say you're not only an heir, but you are a joint heir with Christ the Messiah. 
The Bible tells us that the Bible says uh, by inheritance, what's what it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, talking about Jesus. By inheritance, somebody say inheritance. How many of those inheritance means the legacy of the king of the house? By inheritance, he's talking about Jesus. He has obtained a more excellent name. So he says, here's the power of the name of Jesus. He suffered as a man, even though he was all God, he suffered as a man. And through his suffering, because remember what it says at the very end, if you are in the fellowship of his sufferings. He says, but if you go through what he did, you have access to what he got. Now listen, that's why we have the power. He says, in my name, sons and daughters, you can cast out devils. In my name. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. One can check. In my name. But watch this. Just some old Joe Blow out there that ain't ever give his life to God. He can't cast out a devil in Jesus' name. You want? You know how I know that? Because there was, there was two guys called the sons of Sceva that tried to do it. They saw it done, and they said, man, that looks cool. I can get a big offering if I did that. I'm going to pretend to be a preacher. And they went up to a demon-possessed man in the book of Acts and said, we command you in the name of the God that Paul preaches to come out. They just thought, well, I just try to be like Paul. But see, the difference between the sons of Sceva and Paul was the sons of Sceva were religious. Paul was a son. Huh? Listen, not only will being a son or daughter have name recognition by your father in heaven, but you will also be known by devils and demons in hell. Can I just preach for another six minutes? I don't know if I finished my sermon or not, but watch this. I've, I, years ago, I said my purpose and passion in life is not to be known in heaven. Every child of God is known in heaven. But I will have a destiny where my name is known in hell. The devil will know my name. Demons will know my name. Why? Not because I'm somebody. But because I, my passion in life is to shake up their kingdom. That demon-possessed man looked at the sons of Sceva and said, well, let me just tell you something. Paul we know. Jesus that Paul preaches, we know. But we don't know you. And the demons jumped out of the man and jumped on top of them, stripped them butt naked, and they ran in the streets butt naked. What if we were still having church like that? You know that's in the New Testament. And I think we'd go viral on YouTube. See, I want the devils to tremble when I wake up. Oh my God, Raglan's up. Hey! Four minutes, four minutes. You're going to get to eat. Four minutes. You ain't going to die of hunger. Four minutes. That's why I love you, Tamara. But you are not only sons and daughters of God, but on a lower level, you are sons and daughters of this house and your pastor. 
I asked you months ago, am I your spiritual father? And you said yes. Did, did you mean that you was just one of the children? Or did you mean you was a son or a daughter of this house? Listen, if you don't think that's biblical, I'm going to finish with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is Paul talking. Verses 14 through 16, he says, I do not write these things to shame you. And I'm not saying this to shame you or to beat you up, but this is what he says. But uh, as my beloved, what? Children, I warn you. Now listen, he's saying this to all of the children of God that are the children of God. But he's trying to say, you've got to understand my role in your life. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Did you hear what he just said? In the way of Christendom. You can have somebody that can teach real good on how to be a Christian. He says, well, here's where I warn you. You already have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet you do not have many fathers. Now listen to the next part. For in Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't even just say Christ, which would have been fine because that's okay to say that. He made sure he said in the Messiah whose name is Jesus. In other words, he's making sure. I'm not talking about me. Paul was saying, make sure I'm, you understand I'm not talking about Paul. I'm talking about Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, listen to the words, I, Paul, have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I didn't say it. The word of God said it. Do you think Paul was a super Christian? Dun, da, da. He was a human being. In fact, he was a murderer. He was a tormentor of the church, and God still used him. See, if you don't understand covering relationship and submitting yourself to a spiritual father, you will miss your destiny. Because watch this. How many knows God is in this house? You believe God's in this house? Does anybody see him? In the physical. Does anybody see him in the natural? Do you see Jesus standing? But do you believe he's here, right? How is he here? He's here because we're here. Do you believe he's talking to you today? How is Jesus talking to you today? He's talking to you through me. Does that make me any more special than you? No. But did God put me in this position in your life so that, not so that I can be on a stage, but so that God could speak to you? God's desire as a father is to speak to his sons and daughters. So the way he does it, of course, is first and foremost through his word. But the Bible tells us he gave gifts of the men, Ephesians chapter 4, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. He called them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he said their purpose is to take my word and to equip you. Amen. I'm almost through, I promise you. That clock's wrong. I know that clock's wrong. Yeah, it's got to be. The last thing I'm going to tell you this, I'm probably going to finish, but, but it's very important for you to get this. I'll never forget it. 1997, I think. I had barely known Pastor Frankie Powell. Many of you know Frankie Powell, my pastor. I had only met him a few times in services. 
Went out to lunch with him a couple of times. I was raised in a denomination that spoke nothing of spiritual fathers. I'd never heard of the term spiritual father in my life. And I was in prayer in my little office. And God said, I want you to go tell Frankie Powell that you want him to be your spiritual father. And that you're going to be his spiritual son. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know how he was going to receive it. What he was going to, how because he, he had never said nothing to me about it. I called him and asked him, could we go to lunch? We went to lunch, and I sat at that table, and I said, Pastor Frank, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I feel like God's telling me to ask you to be my spiritual father. At that moment, he began to weep and cry, and he said, God has been preparing me, and he's been telling me that he's going to call me to be fathers to sons that, were not, that I did not birth as sons. And he looked at me, I'll never forget it, Jim. He said, you are the first person who has ever asked me to be their spiritual father, ever. It changed my life, didn't it, Sandy? It changed my life. You don't even understand how it saved my marriage. How it helped me immediately to know what a father to my children needed to look like what a husband to my wife needed to look like, what a pastor to my congregation needed to look like. The moment I submitted myself to my spiritual father and how amazing it was all these years later, 20, 23 years later, standing in the back of that sanctuary Sunday night, my spiritual father took this ring off and said, I'm going to give you this ring tonight. And he said, I want every time you put it on your hand, I want you to remember. Your father couldn't be prouder of you as his son. He said, it's a reminder that you are not alone, son. I'll be with you and for you to the day I die. When my earthly father, if you've read my book, you know it. When my earthly father passed away and they read the eulogy of the surviving sons and daughters, me and my only sibling, my brother, was not even mentioned in the funeral as a survivor. I put my head down. Tears were rolling down my face. My brother was sitting right next to me. He put his hand on my left leg, and he said, well, that pretty much sums up our life, don't it? I said, yeah. And then I felt a hand on my right foot, my right leg. I looked over, and there was my spiritual father. He had slipped into the funeral of my natural father, and I didn't even know he was sitting right next to him. had no clue. And he said, I'm your father, and I'll never disown you, son. So here's what you got to get. And I know I'm over time, but all these other things that happened, they took up all my time, so it's their fault. Years later, I don't know how, I, don't, I couldn't give you a number right now how many spiritual sons I have in this house and outside of this house. Because I am my father's son. Not just my heavenly father. I am who I am because of what came down onto me from my spiritual father. But I learned something the hard way. I learned what it means to be a spiritual son and what it means to be a spiritual father. And I think many of you don't get it and I need to help you today. Because some of you have asked me this question. When it comes to Rachel and Lizzie Raglan, now of course Lizzie Pickle. One day, Rachel will change her name. My daughters, my only birth children, 
I don't need anybody's permission to be their father. I don't need their permission. I don't even need them to even acknowledge that I'm their daddy. They can say I disown you and I can laugh in their face. I can say, I'm going to tell you something right now. I am your daddy and I will say what I want to say to you. I don't care how old you are. I'm your daddy. Right? How many of those I got a built-in authority? Now watch this. My authority as the father to my children has nothing to do with my children. It has everything to do with who I am to those children. I planted the seed for them to exist. Therefore, I have the authority. So people take that and they think that's the way a spiritual father role works. And they think that a spiritual father is going to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, God told me you're my spiritual son and from now on you're going to submit to me. If you think that's what I'm talking about, you ain't got a clue about nothing what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to tell you something. You, this, this is what you got to get. Here's the next thing on your notes. A spiritual father's authority is limited to what level the son or daughter has empowered him to walk in. Did you get that? A spiritual father can only be a spiritual father to someone if the son, the spiritual son or daughter has empowered them to do that and will only be able to operate at the level that they allow them to speak. So people are wanting me to run them down and make sure they feel affirmed as my son or daughter. And I've tried to tell people for years, I can't run after you and make you take what's on me. It's just like Elijah and Elisha. It was a perfect example. He threw it on him and said, there it is if you want it. And he kept going. And Elisha said, I got to run after him. If I want what's on him, I got to make sure I stick with him. So while you're sitting back waiting on me to come by and bop you on the head and say, oh, you're my son or my, my daughter. That ain't the way it works. I don't want that. I don't want to be some high and mighty person in your life. I just want to be somebody that can be used by God to help you. I'll finish the last two. The last two real quick. The role of a parent is to love, to nurture, and to prepare the child to be an adult. My job is to prepare you as a child of God and as a child of this house to be spiritual adults in God. And the last thing is this. This is the biggest one. Sons and daughters are supposed to grow up to be fathers and mothers. You didn't hear me because even if you consider yourself to be a spiritual son and daughter of your pastor, then you one day you got to grow up enough, be spiritually mature enough to where you can still be a spiritual son or daughter of your pastor, but it's time for you to birth some children as well. Or the church and the ministry will never grow and succeed. Because you got one man or one woman trying to take care of a house full of kids. And how many knows you can't take care of all them kids, one person. So you need help. So I'm trying to tell you that it's time for some of y'all, can I just be real, to grow up. It's time for some of y'all to get off the bench. It's time for some of y'all. Some of y'all need to stand in the mirror and realize, my God, I'm old enough. I'm still sucking on a pacifier and I need to shave. Huh? Get up on your feet all over this house. Somebody shout, I am a child of God. 
I am a son of God. I am an heir. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am a leader, a son, a father, or a mother. Praise God. Hallelujah.